welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Let's get naked. Hello, welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Today I have with me Anne Charles. Anne, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Your website is annecharles.com. Everything, of course, will be in the show notes. Um, tell me all about your website and holy cow, please tell me about your awards. <laughs> well, uh, my website is always a work in progress and it's actually five years old now. So I'm thinking I have to update it again soon, which really makes me cringe and wince. If anyone's ever done that, that's such a major overhaul. I'm doing uh, it right now. I hate it. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Yes, it's, yes. It's just, it, the cost is crazy. And then yeah. one thing after another of you have to dig and dig and find all this stuff. And, and I always think, it, couldn't you hire somebody to do this for me so I don't have to do all this of my own work, right? So very yeah. lazy that way. Uh, but anyway, so uh, the website, it has my books. It, we do have, uh, well, I say we, because it's like me, myself, and I. You know, you always, as a writer, you think yes. it help us multiple people, right? Yeah. The marketer and me, we have this website and we have a blog and we have lots of fun stuff in the blog. We have interviews uh, like this. We have links to, I've been doing some Facebook live videos um, where we do like a book every talk and, um, and I drink while I do it. So tequila is my drink of choice. And sometimes my husband what? makes my drinks really strong. And sometimes he makes them a little strong. It's kind of like a game here. So sometimes I'm pretty tipsy by halfway through. And other times I make it through sober as can be. So we have fun with that though. Um, but we've been doing that since the virus, you know, we went into lockdown. I thought it was a really good way to interact with uh, readers because we're all stuck inside. So I started doing it with book one and I think we're on book 10 of the Deadwood series now. So, and I have about, I think 28, this, this new one coming out will be my 29th book. So we have some time we can go through each one. So that's, uh, the links to that are on my website. We have quizzes we're doing for each book. So if you've read them, you can go take the quiz and they're kind of tough, but fun. And then we also have um, puzzles that building um, with different, because I have illustrations in every book. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother is an artist, illustrator, and she do, he does the cover art for my books as well as the illustrations. So um, I'm able to take those fun illustrations and make them into puzzles and all kinds of stuff. So we have all kinds of stuff on my website to do. And uh, of course, all the books are listed in the book order as well, and links to, um, my Instagram page, so you can see what I'm doing over there if you're on Instagram, and all that good stuff. It's all mixed in there. So, AnnCharles.com. It's a lot of information. And I, when we started, before I even thought about it, I'm like, every single person I have on my podcast that has a book, I get the book, and I read it. You have 28, and I'm like, well... <laughs> <laughs> There's five series, is that correct? They're broken down into five series. So tell me about all. The Currently, there are five different. Okay, what are the series about? Okay, so. Okay, so the first, the main one that I started with is the Deadwood Mystery series, and it's a mixture of mystery with um, paranormal, a lot of humor. All my books have humor. That's kind of one of my, you know, main things, and. Uh, 
romance, always a little bit of romance, some spicier, some not, just because I started off way back when trying to write romances, and I love romances, but I just really suck at emitting a lot of emotion all for long, you know, big long scenes, so I kind of moved to killing people instead of, you know, full-on romance, so the murder, and then it became killing monsters, which was even more fun, so, you know, that's, it's, that's blended into most of my series. So that's the Deadwood Mystery Series, and that's the one that's won multiple awards and um, became hit the USA Today bestseller list. I also have the Jackrabbit Junction Mystery Series, which is kind of, it's mystery with adventure, I think Treasure Island kind of a thing, um, mixed with body humor, uh, plenty of spicy romance. Some, you know, it's just a big overall mix, a uh, bunch of dirty old guys that, are trying to pick up women at an RV park in the first one. So, I mean, they're lovable, but they are there for a purpose. You know, they're trying to find wives. So they're testing out the women. So that's part of it, but the heroine is there with her grandfather and he's one of them. So that's kind of the setup for that. And then I have the Dig Site Mystery Series, which is my um, foray into Indiana Jones. You know, I loved wow. that whole show, the movies and uh, all about Indiana Jones. And I wanted to be an archeologist for a brief time until I saw how much writing is involved with archeology. So ironically, I've become a writer instead that writes <laughs> about archaeology. I, <laughs> I know. Not, not thinking that through. But uh, so that's a mix of it's got archaeology, but it's mystery, it's adventure, there's romance, there's um, scary stuff. It's dips into paranormal as well. And that takes place down in Mexico, uh, Maya dig sites. So that's that whole set. And all three of those, and the next one I'm going to mention, are all in the same world. They cross over. So characters will go between oh. the different series on all those. Um, and the same with the, the fourth one that I'm writing with my husband, Sam Lucky, and that is the Deadwood Undertaker series. That's my Deadwood mystery series, the prequel. What happened oh. in the 1870s version of Deadwood before we got to what we're dealing with now in modern day so that's a whole it's paranormal western comedy uh, adventure so all that kind of stuff set back in the old west which is really fun um, it's fun to write with my husband and have this whole project we do together and then I have the AC Silly Circus series and those are novellas and it's a freak it's the freaks of the freak show world and the freaks of the shapeshifter world at a circus that travels and mystery tied in. So paranormal romance uh, is main theme with some mystery. And I got into that because a good friend of mine had a Kindle world and she wanted me to write in it. And so I had to pick something that was shapeshifter that fit in her world uh, to write in that Kindle world. And then of course, Kindle worlds shut down. So we got the rights back. So I wrote the second one. So now I have this crazy AC Silly Circus series that you know, still is out there, and I will eventually write a third novella and keep the train, circus train going, but it's a little bit lower on my to-do list at this time. So that, that's the five currently running. So we'll see. I, and it's hard to keep up with five. There's a six I'd like to add, but okay. I just struggle to keep up with five. So I, I have questions about that. But first, you said that you, the 29th book is coming out. Where does that yes. one fall? It's the Deadwood Mystery Series number 11. 
So it's the new wow. newest Deadwood mystery series, the big one. Uh, and it is a big, it's 135K. So it's a big full length novel. And that one comes out, uh, the ebook comes out May 29th. Print, we're waiting to see because of Amazon and all the funky stuff with printing and the backlogs. So, but ebooks out May 29th of 2020 that is so so uh, this is my biggest yes. question because i've had i'm not an author in anything fantasy i think it's really funny that you were like i was trying to write these long romance scenes but i like killing people better <laughs> yeah um so my question is how do you actually physically keep track of everything with fantasy to make sure the story's tying in do you always have the storyline in the end already chosen or does it develop as you write and how in the world do you keep track of it just for for one series well um when i write a story i plot it ahead of time and it's a real loose plot because they usually go off my plot plan pretty early on by the first turning point <clears throat> excuse me so i do have an end in mind for each book as i go and i have ideas on how I'm tying it all together, you know, the big weaving, the rug I'm weaving. Uh, but I kind of let my brain just go once I get in there and it comes up with some really great stuff, not even with alcohol, imagine that. So I just let it roll and see what comes up and, and go forth. Now, as for keeping track of it all, uh, early on, I had a, a wonderful person come up to me at a book signing, and she said, I've read your first two Deadwood mystery series, and I love them. And I think maybe the third was out. And she said, do you know that you changed, I think she said, you changed eye color on one of the characters partway through? And I said, oh, you keep track of that kind of stuff? And she was like, yeah, it's just the way my brain works. You know, that's how I, and so I said, you're like what I've been waiting for. You're, you're hired, <laughs> if you will. And I said, would you like to be whatever you want to call it, where you keep track of my story worlds and help me keep track of all the details and the threads and keep them in a worksheet because I need help. It's going to get really crazy. Yeah. And she said, yes, I'd like to do that. That'd be fun. Uh, and so since then, she's built a, a business out of it. And she's, it's called World Keeper. Uh, Diane Garland's her name. And she is my World Keeper. And she has a big OneNote file for each series that has everything in it. It's crazy what's in it. And we have a running joke of, you know, kind of, you didn't expect me to pull that thread back, did you? You know, and it's not in the notes or it is in the notes because she did expect it. So um, she's a huge help. And that I couldn't, without help like that, or, or at least me keeping track, I'd be in big trouble because, you know, it's one thing when you have three books, but when you have 10 plus and readers binge on your books, they notice a change because they're reading one a day or one every other day or what, however. So they will see the smallest screw up a lot of time, excuse me, a lot of times. So it's really important to be on top of the details and make sure everything is, you know, you don't change a vehicle, you don't change hair color, you know, you don't change a storyline you had before, you know, it has to be smooth for them so they can really enjoy the, sh the show, if you will. I asked someone else this once who had fewer books and she said she has everything on an Excel spreadsheet 
and she has to. So same thing. And that's why if she had to keep track of the details on an Excel spreadsheet, you're, you're just volume is so much bigger. So that mm. makes sense. What a great job that she created for herself. Like, I know it's really what she's needed by many. I mean, she's got uh, clients I know that do Westerns, you know, have series and Westerns, mysteries, all kinds of stuff. And it's yeah. so important to have the details exactly the same as you go through a series. Yep. Yeah, because you're right. Uh, people do binge or they're waiting for the next book or they're more, I mean, you're split between 28 books and five series. So, but if I'm reading one series, even if I'm waiting for the next book, I would remember. Right. Yeah, that's right. really fascinating. I love these, <laughs> the tequila thing that you're doing with your husband. I have... <laughs> I've got to look that up and uh, watch some of that. Um, have you thought about doing a podcast for it? Long ago, I was with uh, a friend of mine. We did this thing called First Turning Point. It was a website for new authors where, you know, the first turning point in your career was the idea. And we had all kinds of guest articles and we would do podcasts every week. Uh, and she, my partner did the main, I was always on there with her usually as the guest or like, you know, the one that sat next to Johnny Carson's chair or whoever's chair nowadays that is. Uh, you could tell my age there. Uh, yeah. So I, I did a lot of podcasts in the past but it really was never I'm I'm not that great at being as organized as what you have to be to run you know a regular show this whole Facebook live thing I started this year was new I'd done a few things here and there for like a minute or two but uh, first of all it takes a lot of cojones to step up and do this uh you know regularly and so you're amazing because <laughs> the naked podcaster oh my gosh I feel naked as it is when I'm just on screen talking and, and everything, but here you are doing a show, which is awesome. So I haven't really gotten into the podcast idea because it's just not what I'm strong at, mm. you know, and as I've learned over time with marketing, find your strengths, work to them, everything else you, you push through and you learn how to do it, but work to your strengths the most, I guess. Ah. Actually, I'm so glad I asked that question because it didn't, it doesn't matter your answer, but I love your answer. And I think people really need to understand that we can't be everything to everyone and that's right. totally <laughs> fine. So working to your strengths is, that's so important. I applaud that. Um, I want to go back in time now. So let's okay. start sharing your story. You said the seventies, we talked before, <laughs> before we started recording, I was like, yeah, I was born in 1970. No wonder we're a hot mess, you know? So right, right. tell, tell me, jump in wherever you would like <clears throat> okay so 71 to give away my age so right there with you yeah. um and when i you know we we talked about this when i think back to the 70s it was really in spite of everything it was a really happy time but if you really look at history it wasn't but i made a real happy time of it somehow and so i love 70s music and all that good stuff because it takes back to the childhood but you know i ironically with even that is so my fam my parents uh, they got divorced when I was three to three and a half and, and I'm the fourth child from their marriage. So I was, you know, my siblings were all there and it was not a clean and simple divorce by any means. It was very messy. It was a uh, battle for kids type messy. And I love them both. I understand now that I'm adult, what was going on. But at the time as a child, it was pretty messed up and I lost my hair. Um, I, from the stress of it as a three-year-old, I was feeling all that. 
And it was a major, if you ask each of my siblings, of course, it was a major time in our life that really hit us hard. It was the first struggle in our lives, you know, in our childhood lives. So while I was so young and I don't have the memories of my siblings of what was going on on the surface, I have all that stress that I dealt with. And, and what comes with that going back and forth between parents for everything. And I like to think, you know, and, and we've, my siblings and I have talked with spouses around and stuff. And, and my brother's ex-wife, she was going in through college for psychology. And she was like, you really need to talk to somebody about this, all of you guys. You really should see someone, seek some counseling. And I said, are you kidding? This is where my humor comes from. Because, you know, born in the 70s when time was crazy. And then having parents that went through a major divorce and the stress, I think I learned how to take problems and horrible things and turn them into something funny so that I could get through it. So I really think, and, and you see that with a lot of comedians, they have some troubled lives, but they learned how to overcome it using humor. So I really feel that a big part of the humor throughout my series, that was the birth of it, was that divorce. So while, you know, my parents off and on has, you know, we're sorry we put you through this. I like to say, no, 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 no. This was a wonderful thing that happened because it made me who I am on the page and it brought out this sense of humor that I might never have had if it wasn't for that. The ability to look at the horrible stuff with the virus that's going on and still find humor in it and laugh at things that, you know, when overall it's a very scary, horrible world right now, right. but still finding that humor and making jokes and making people smile and laugh, which I love to do. I like to take people that are really struggling and make them smile and give them a chuckle and take them out of that pain for a little bit if I can. As we're so, recording this, it's, you know, like May and we're in the middle of the coronavirus of 2020, which is right. unprecedented. My husband a couple of days ago said, send me that meme you had about the coronavirus. I think I sent him like 30. I'm like, just go to my Instagram feed, dude, because this is hysterical. And it's not, but I, I, I love what you're saying. I mean, the situation isn't, but it is about how we see it. And humor was one of your tools. Right. Right. And I, yeah, there's been some wonderful humor that's come out of this whole horrible mess. And it's not that we're laughing at people that have sicked or people that have lost one or so those. No. It's just finding a way to deal with this tragedy. And we all deal with it differently, but many of us turn to humor to make it through. And I think it's, it's a necessary tool. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I understand how you went through that struggle when you were younger, and I'm sure that continued as you grew up, because if it was a nasty divorce and kids are back and forth and split, that's always difficult. At what point, I love that you said that that stress, like losing your hair at three years old, I can't even imagine. I mean, I think of my kids and like, holy cow. So you yeah. took that, you found humor in it, and that was part of your coping. And then mm -hmm. when did you and how did you translate that into writing? Was it much later? Yes, it was. I didn't, you know, I, I never intended to be an author. I had lots of career plans growing up. And as, as I mentioned, Indiana Jones was on that list. In ninth grade, I 
we had an art project where we were supposed to write or draw what we saw ourselves as doing in the future. It was our career art, you know. And I have a great friend and she drew herself as a social worker carrying a briefcase. And I can remember her picture clearly. And she is a social worker. And so it was, she really knew what she wanted to do. <clears throat> I was so messed up on trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do that the coolest job to me sounded like a camel jockey. So I have me on a camel in my art picture that I still have in the attic. So that was my first career thought was I'll, I'll jockey camels. Unfortunately, these days that's all robotic now, so you don't even get to sit on the camel and race. So that career would have not worked out for me, it turns out, at all. <laughs> from <laughs> I don't know I I all I can think is I was reading a lot of Harlequin novels by that point the little white ones and um I would my stepmom got a mail from the mail and I would go up where she kept them all I would go sneak them I don't know if I was supposed to be reading that yet or not but I would sneak them uh she knows that now and laughs of course and she came in when I was three and a half so she's been with me for my stepmom for a long time but she got a good she gets a good check chuckle out of that but I think I was reading about all these desert sheiks and this romantic idea you know of them and so camel jockey just seemed like such a romantic career I don't know where that comes from you need to frame that oh so, <laughs> and then I went to being a lawyer paralegal I know right that's the funniest the the picture that... just cracks me up I think what was I thinking my art teacher must have hmm yeah, so, inter anyhow. interesting kid, interesting kid. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it moved from there, and then I was going to college to be to uh, for majoring in Spanish, and thinking I was going to be a translator or something in Mexico. So it just keeps, um, it just kept changing until I finally tried writing a book, uh, a romance in my twenties, and I sucked at it, but. I sent it in to Harlequin and they turned it down very nicely. And, and then it just kept going from there. So, so you loved it. You found passion in writing, <laughs> but right. not writing about passion. So. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I think all of us who like to write or are authors have this secret desire to write this off the charts Harlequin. Like just yes. blow the doors yes. off because I know that's one of my secret fantasies. Oh, yes. Still, even though I know I don't do well with those long love scenes, I still think, I wonder if I could write a really, really good romance that would just wow people. And then I don't because no. the humor just, you know, might mess it all up. <laughs> what job did you end up doing prior to actually getting published? And then I want to jump into you getting published because it's a really interesting story. So I was a technical writer. I was going to school for Spanish. I went to four different colleges. I did the 10-year college plan. Yeah. And uh, the, the last one, I couldn't get Spanish for a night classes or for the degree I, I wanted because I had to go in the day and I needed to work. So I had to switch majors at that point. And I went to English because okay. um, the running joke is, and it's the truth, that every college I went to made me take English 101 again because no college thought the previous English was good enough. So by this, I had four English 101s under my belt, and I was kind of like, okay, you need to write, apparently, because they're really working on your English skills here. So I ended up getting a degree in English with creative writing as a, as a um, 
sub, a minor. And then I went to this place where I had a friend who I'd worked with before, and they were hiring a receptionist at this software company in, up in Seattle. And I went for the receptionist job. And she said, hmm, you're getting an English degree. And I said, yeah, I have about two more uh, quarters. And she said, well, we need a tech writer. How would you like to be a tech writer? And I said, what's a tech writer do? That's how out of it I was. I, I mean, it wasn't even on my radar. And she explained, and I said, well, that sounds like uh, what I've been doing in college, all these English classes. And so they hired me as an intern and then ended up hiring me a couple months, once I finished, full on. And I spent, uh, I think it was 14 years being a technical writer. Wow. So it was, the thing technical writing did was really increased my right I mean it really helped my writing skills even though it's technical writing I really got the whole you know ver all the language just really and how to say it concisely and how to improve all the time so it was a big bonus and it was a great job that I just stumbled into in life and I, I tend to do that I tend to stumble into things and go oh okay hey we'll do this so technical writer for banking software. Now I used to joke because they'd always say, nobody reads the technical docs or the, the user guides. And I said, well, I'm thinking about putting a sex scene in one of the pages and see if we get any tellers, it was bank software, get any tellers that call in about the sex scene I put in there. Or maybe I'll put a murder scene. And my boss, she was funny. She'd go, I swear to God, you better not. So she would read everything I did. Just, to, I mean, we, we made sure, but it was it was a good and it was a good job for for a long time as i built the whole time behind the scenes i was building this writing career and writing fiction so it paved the way for that let's discuss at some point you got married you mentioned a husband let's talk yeah. about how your family fell into that cuz i know in working and having a job and making the transition that you did that has that's a consideration so fill us in on that that's kind of, that's your romance story there you that's go my, well <laughs> There were two. Yeah. So I married right uh, when I was 19 the first time and moved to California, Southern Cal. Uh, he was in the Marine Corps. So we spent uh, seven years almost married before we, he was out and we'd moved to Arizona and it just kind of fell apart after everything. And so we split. But we'd actually moved up to Seattle before we split. That was part of the reason. Um, but anyway, we ended up splitting up up there and that's where I met my current husband and I don't like to say current because that makes it sound like there's another one coming and there's not <laughs> I met my husband and uh, I had no kids from the first marriage which was a wonderful thing so uh, we met at work we worked in the same place and uh, that was before technical writing when I was still being a secretary at different jobs so we started working together and my marriage was falling apart so we would become good friends and so anyway that's it, it really was a wonderful little romance but um i won't go into depth on that but anyway in the end we ended up married and then we waited a few years and had kids uh and he was working at various i mean he's been uh, a cartographer making maps and uh -huh. software, software tech, software everything up in Seattle. I worked at Microsoft all over, you know, in those kind of jobs. So, but it was that downtime, what was it, 2008, I think when the big recession hit last time. Yeah. And his job, he got laid off, but I didn't as a tech writer, I was still running. So 
uh, we had two really little kids and that's, I was really getting going into writing again. I'd been doing stuff, but it was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to write work full time. And we have two babies. So he really stepped up and um, he was staying at home and I would go to work. I'd come home. I would play with, hang out with the kids and family till about eight or nine when they all went to bed because they were all wiped out. And then I would stay up till about two in the morning every morning, writing and working and building my websites and building everything. And then I would get up again about seven, drag my butt into work, do my day job, come home and do it again. And by Thursday night, I was wiped. We always joke about it's Thursday night, your mom's going to bed at eight tonight (laughs) because it wore me out. But so that was kind of the setup as I was building this career. It wasn't, you know, oh, I'm going to be an author and here I am. It was 10 to 15 years behind the scenes of building, 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 building to get to publishing and then, you know, really getting the awards and, and going up the chain. I want to make a distinction here because I'm an author mm-hmm. because I, I do all kinds of things and I added a book to what I did. You're a writer because it's your career. Okay. And I, I think that that's a, I love that distinction because, um, I struggled with that for a while. Well, I'm just an author of this one, but well, yeah, I'm not a writer. I'm not doing it as a profession. That's not my, it's not my job. It's just something right. that I added to it and you're a writer, but you had to start off. I just love the progression of how you built into that and whole, I mean, yeah. like for all the mamas out there, we all understand the working the full-time job, trying to be focused on the kids, trying to do the side hustle, which it is in the beginning, to right. build it up to create. And you really did. I mean, I'm going to stay an author, but you became a writer in this process. And that's, I mean, that that's what an accomplishment. I I love that. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's a lot of a lot of lack of sweat, not blood, sweat, and tears. Lack of sleep, sweat, and tears <laughs> as we build, and the worries of am I am I a crappy mom? I mean, I always still have that because I do still spend a lot of time at the computer writing. And luckily, I'm home with them. And even more now that since they're doing school at home, I feel like we're like this now, yeah. which my kids may not love because. It, they might have liked their teachers better, right? Because they're nicer. But I did go through lots and lots of doubts, especially the early game of side hustling. You, I had to go to conferences. I had to be traveling. I had to do more talks to really build. And that took time away from my family. And I was already a full-time job and writing. And then I hear I am gone for t- stints of time with little kids. And it was not easy. And I would, I, I don't want to go back to that again. I always talk about, I don't travel much now, very little and my family goes with me now. But once the kids are old enough and they're like, go get out of here, then we plan on really, you know, ramping that up again. And um, I don't think, so I didn't cover, there was a point in time when I had to quit the day job to choose writing because yes, I writing was do you want me to go into yeah, that? Yeah, let's okay. segue into that. Because you, you talked about 2008, but I think this is closer to 2013, right? Right, right. I think it was 2014 was the year I quit or two, 2013. 2013 and then I moved. Well, it was sometime in there. My memories start to fade. <laughs> but I had to make that call of quitting that secure technical writing job. 
my husband was, he was still, we had younger kids still, so he was still at home and he, he's like, I can, I'll go get a job, we'll do this, but we were talking about moving to Arizona. He, by this point, was doing so much of the behind the scenes work with my books and the traveling that we could do, he was there so that the kids and, you know, we could all go together. So we'd really become a team by this point. And it was no longer, you know, it is Ann Charles at the front uh, and Ann Charles doing the talking, but there's, you know, just like they always say the same in reverse, there's a female behind every male that's successful. It's the same. There's a male behind females that are successful many, many times. And in my case, it's the same. He's right there. So we had to go from that extra income to relying solely on writing. And that was terrifying. Uh, you know, we, we knew one of us could go get a job if needed, but we were going to try this thing. And so we had to really prepare ourselves. Health insurance. I mean, it, com it came down to health insurance. Cobra is so expensive. And we tried that for a bit. And then we had to go off, you know, and I know a lot of people don't like the Affordable Care Act, but it saved our bacon because finally we could get crappy health insurance, but it was something for, our, you know, us. So, and it was affordable, finally, instead of paying 2000 a month for a health insurance plan, we could pay a few hundred, which was huge. So all that came together at the right time. And I was able to walk away from the day job. But there is a point, and, and a lot of people don't realize this until you make the switch, that you go from, oh, writing is my dream job. This will be so fun. It's going to be wonderful. All I'll do is write stories all day to, oh, crap, I have to write book after book after book. And it becomes a slog of just like a day job. I can't write a book and then take a year off. I have to write a book, get it going to publishing, and start the next book. And it's a constant, I think of it as mountain climbing. You start at the bottom, you got to climb to that midpoint, which is the peak. The downtime, you know, it's fun to go to the end, but then you hit the bottom and you're looking up at another huge mountain going, here we go again. So that was a big change and it was really scary in many, many ways and a little depressing when you think, I got to keep doing this now for 20 more years plus. But I do love it. So highs and lows that come with that. I think it's super important. Well, yes, I know a lot of people that start businesses and then they realize what it takes to run the business. And the running the business is so awful for them that they don't want to do it on their own anymore. I mean, it's that same sort of thing. Like, yeah, sure, it sounds like this super lovely fantasy, but the reality is not the super sexy fantasy. Oh, no. Bookkeeping is utter hell. It's like yeah. the worst. Right. <laughs> so, uh. Right. Well, there's so many moving parts behind the scenes that nobody thinks about. It's not you sitting there, you know, writing fantasies all day and skipping and rainbows. Right. It's not like that at all. And yeah, when you're a writer and it's your career, that's really, that's why I said, I'm going to stay an author, but I'm really <laughs> proud that you're a writer because there's no way I want to tackle that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. And you've maintained loving it. So let's talk about how you've maintained, because that's a lot of stress for a lot of different reasons. Right, right. Well, part of it is those five different series I write, they keep it fresh. So normally I finish a, a book in a series and then I jump to the next series or, a, you know, and I keep switching playgrounds, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I go over here and play for a while. And it, it keeps that 
love fresher in my mind because, oh, I'm back over here now. I'm hanging out with these guys and I love these guys. They're so funny. Uh, like, okay, so the Deadwood series, I have great time. It's Violet Parker. We're only ever in her head and it's first person. So I see this and I did that. Well, when I go to my Jackrabbit series, it's third person and I get to hop between the sisters. There's three sisters, the Morgan sisters. I get to hop between their heads and go on each of their plots and how they, you know, so it's a real big change. Um, and I really, I need that a lot of times to keep it fresh for me. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I'd love to write Deadwoods all the time. They're the big sellers. But I, I, I fear that I would start hating it after a while. And it would become a boring thing. And then once you feel bored as the author or the writer, then it comes on the page. And it's very clear. And so I can't do that. It's, you know, every new book is, I fear, is my worst you know, it's going to be the worst ever. They're going to hate it. Finally, I'm falling. It's going to go down. It's always a worry. Um, but at the same time, you know, then you just keep pushing forward and go, no, 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 that's just the demons. They're back. They're always there. You know, some people think they can get rid of the demons. I don't know what they're doing, but my demons are always there and they always will be. They're part of what I think is the process for me. So mm. yeah, that's how I keep it from, I keep it fresh that way for me. That's amazing. And then you're, so did you or your husband ever end up having to go back to work or did you just start working? I know it was a hard process, but you were able to do it. I was, I was way back in the early days when I started, I co-owned the publishing company that we published my first few books under. Uh, and I, I did that with my agent at the time. And so when we moved to Arizona and we were changing everything, I, I quit the publishing business because I couldn't keep, working with other authors and doing all that was needed to make them success and do my own and keep me going. So I had to choose and I chose, you know, writing over, over being a publisher. So we also quit that. It's, you know, I stopped that at the same time. Um, so it was a real big shift all over. And no, we, we have managed, you know, there's years that are not as good. And then there's years that are booming years. It's the nature of the beast. So we have managed to still work at this job, this business together and, and maintain that. Now he did jump in and started writing uh, with me on the Undertaker series. And it's because it was a, a really exciting idea, but I knew I'd, I'd never have time because to write a Western and that history, you can't screw that up. You can't fudge history. You have to research. You have to get it right, mostly. You can make up stuff and add, but you can't screw up stuff. People will, you know, that turns readers off. So he is an awesome researcher. He always was. Um, and that's always, you know, one of his strengths. And he's loved the Old West. So it was kind of a natural of, we'll do this together. Um, and we'll try this together. And then instead of, you know, they always should one of us get a job. It's no, we now have this even more going on. So we've just pulled all that together and, and managed to keep going through the highs and lows. And there used to be the gold rush days, which I was in, which were wonderful in the early, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, but it did dry up and it's been a whole different game. So, and on that note, I'm just going to add that I often have new writers say, how do I do it? How can I do it to get to, you know, where you're at? And I say, I would love to help you, but I don't think I can because what I used is no more. Uh, free on Kindle in the early days was a boom. Now it's just everything's free. So you have to use different tools. And I have to change every year my marketing tools to 
make it work still constantly changing and evolving with with you know digital and everything else yeah, it's big. And I know for somebody who likes to read voraciously, I am so excited that Kindle is free. Mm. But I, I get it. Like, it's not good for the person, the author. That's not a good thing for us. And I, I also believe that there's this, for people who haven't written a book that want to, there's this like, idea that you're going to become J.K. Rawlings, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Little Fifty Shades of Grey. It's just going to explode like that. And there are so many books and so few ever make it anywhere near that and like your royalties are I think my royalties are two dollars and ten cents on an actual physical copy of a book so (laughs) you know when I learned that I was like oh cool I mean I'm glad it's two dollars but you kind of think maybe it's that's a lot of copies you know so it's it is a lot of work to keep it up yes Yeah. Now, if you had an agent and you co-owned the publishing company, that means you weren't self-publishing in the beginning. I was small press because we put it under my umbrella. So yeah, I was, when I started, it was listed small press. And then by 2014, 2015, I was then indie. So it wasn't officially self-published, but it was me doing it under the umbrella. So, and we, a lot of us were doing that back then because you wanted that umbrella to hide the fact that you were self-publishing because that still wasn't, it still had a stigma attached to it. Nowadays, it's, it's not near what it was, but. Although still, if you get picked up by a publishing house, you know, especially the top ones, that's a huge boon. It's the only way you can make New York Times bestsellers or, you know, I mean, like it, I self-publish and I would do it that way probably again, but there is still a differentiation and I don't like uh, how the publishing houses structure, but they do it that way because you have a benefit of being with the publishing company. So, I I mean, you know, you start to get how it all works. So that was a great hybrid of having your own publishing company or co company. Right. Right. Did you have to get the rights back to your books? How hard was that process to break away? You know, I must have known from the beginning that I was probably going to leave because I had my IP attorney write up the contract for me with the publishing house I um, co-owned, and I had him make my books so that at any point I could walk and I would get the rights back when I said I wanted them. No questions asked, and she, my partner signed off on that. She understood. So from the beginning, I covered my butt and made sure that I had that ability to just walk away. And that's what I did. I gave her, you know, this is the notice. At this point, we're switching over. Um, you know, we had a date we set on and then, you know, she took, she kept all the other stuff and kept running with it. I don't, I don't even pay attention. Um, and then I took my stuff and went elsewhere, you know, and just started doing my own thing. So if you're going to ever play that game, put the money into getting uh, a contract written up by a lawyer and play it safe because there are nightmare stories yep. of people losing rights. And so you do not want to mess around with that at all. Yeah. And that's why I asked, because for people who don't know, that can be a yeah. So that was super smart. Explain to me the category of indie. The category of indie, what do you mean? Well, when you're an indie writer, what does that mean um, as far as the differences in the publishing world? Okay. So I write it. I pay professional editor. So I don't chintz on editing, um, but I write it, we format it, we market it, we sell it, 
uh, behind the scenes. I am the publisher when I listed in Amazon and Nook and all those uh, royalties come to me. The only middleman is the distributors in this case. There is no publisher in between me and the distributor. So I work directly with distributors when it comes to print, when it comes to um, some of the audiobooks I have done, um, there is the Deadwood series I have on audio. I have them all on audio, but the Deadwood series um, I have through a couple of middlemen, and I went that route to experiment. And so then I get paid royalties through the middlemen who then distribute it. So uh, the big difference, you know, with being indie is you do you run your world. Um, and as much as there's, there's times when I think, boy, I sure wish I had someone helping to push this or market this or do this. I also have done this long enough and know that I am enough of a control freak that I think I would, I would seriously have problems with an editor coming in saying, no, we're going to do it this way. Or no, we want you to make this a love triangle. No, we want you to do this because it sells better. I can see that we would just do that right out of the gate now. So I'm probably not the best to work with unless I go into it knowing that I'm going to just hand it all over and not care. Then, then I could probably handle it. But um, the biggest difference uh, is the distribution. I mean, and the marketing. So you can get it out there. Yeah, I have print books out there, but I have to market. Um, can I get them into airports? Not easily, but some indies do. I mean, it depends on your how hard you push and what you want to do and where you want to go. I work with a distributor in Western South Dakota, well, South Dakota, the state they cover, and they actually work directly with me as a publisher and distribute for me. So my print books are spread out over there. So you can make that happen. You just have to, it's a business. You have to work it all and, and be savvy about that. I, I think marketing, regardless, even with the publishing house, they want you to have a certain number of following. So you're still right. doing a lot of that marketing and you still need to find super fans. I love what you did for your people in uh, South Dakota. Right, Deadwood it, Fan Party. Yes, so yeah. tell us about this. This is great because you started building a fan base. You're a writer, this is your job. You're, I wanna yeah. talk about your awards in just a minute um, because that's so amazing. But also you go to Deadwood, South Dakota and you have this fan party. This is so fun. So tell us about that and your super fans. Right. Oh, yes, they're awesome. I, I just, the readers are so awesome. None of, none of this would have happened without these awesome readers that do so much to help me. Uh, so I started going to Deadwood. My, I, I spent part of my time growing up in Deadwood. My mom still lives in that, right in that area, Deadwood and Lead, the town next to it. So I, I went there all through my life, you know, summers and spent holidays there. But then I got the book, you know, I, I started this whole nearly departed in Deadwood and, and wrote that and went there to do a couple book signings uh, with the first two were out. And I think that was the first, I think 12, 2013 was the year we started, or maybe it was 2012. And there was just a small group of people that had read the book and loved it. And there are vendors throughout Deadwood that were selling the print book in their stores um, because it's Deadwood. So it's tourism based. And those a group of about 20 to 25 came from different places nebraska and, and whatnot in the area mostly and they we all hung out and we had a little party the last night that you know with the fan the book signings and stuff at, at just a little the loft in one of the historic buildings 
and I think we had a cheese tray <laughs> and some drinks. And we did some hot, we toured a haunted brothel and the haunted hotel together. So it was a lot of fun. And they're like, we got to do this again. So we started doing it yearly and it just kept growing from that original 20 to, you know, I have to find a new venue. Now I got to find a bigger venue. Last year we had about 120 that came in and they come from wonderful from Canada coming down. We have people from Texas, from all over North Carolina. They're so wonderful. They, they come all the way in and we all spend the weekend and there's book signings and I try to add more and more every year events and things that go on. But the cool thing is, okay, so when I wrote Nearly Departed and all the books since in Deadwood, Deadwood, South Dakota is a real place, very historic. Wild Bill Hickok, Calamity Jane, all those big names, you know, they were part of Deadwood's history. I made sure that I kept, even though modern day, the buildings that are public buildings, like the library, um, the police station, everything is set where everything currently is. I added a few buildings where I needed to, but you can go, go around Deadwood. And if you know the series, you can go, you can see where she works, where the building is, Calamity Jane Realty. You can go to the police station. You can see the stuff up in Leeds, the sister city, and go to their opera house where one of the books takes place. And you can do a tour of it and they'll take you down in the basement where Ann Charles has this happen. So the locals have really gotten involved and wow. made it even more fun for, so you, it's like, you know, Harry Potter land or whatever, Harry Potter world, only smaller, <laughs> you know, not but you can come have fun in Deadwood and there's a lot of stuff to do anyway and it's the beautiful Black Hills so a lot of hiking and biking and natural stuff but then you can also take the books and see where everybody lives and where things happen and picture it so that brings a lot of people too which is really fun um, and unfortunately this year we had to postpone the fan party itself to 2021 because of the virus and the stipulations but we're still going I'm still going to see my mom. So we're still going to do book signings just outside with masks on. We're going to do the haunted house investigation with the Black Hills Paranormal guys. They're, they're awesome. And we're just going to be less people and wearing masks. So we're still going to have the party, but it'll probably be about half the people that normally be just because people have to play it safe, which is, right. I, I totally understand. So yeah, it's the Deadwood fan party every year and it keeps getting crazier and more stuff. I but I love it how it went from a book signing to this whole other thing which is incredible yeah it's it's great we have we have so much fun together just going and you know having meal just we'll, we'll do different dinners out where everybody can come and yeah and they've become really good friends the people mm -hmm. that keep coming you know they've built their friendships of course so that's always really fun too for them to meet up again well, and super fans are so important because they're the people that like your stuff but are also willing to post about it on their own social media, which is how in any situation, I mean about anything, but authors know this really well. It's not just about your own list. It's about who you're connected with and if they will do right. some of that work for you too. And just, just right. promote it because they love it genuinely. So right. yeah, they're really, really, really important. Holy cow. So if someone, I, I'm on your site and I want to start and 28 is a little daunting, <laughs> yes. would you start with the Deadwood series? It depends what you like. If you yeah. like paranormal, then I do recommend you start with Deadwood. Um, there is a series timeline with all my books because they oh, cross yes. over. So oh my gosh. I have a series timeline. If you really want to read, for those of us who like to read in very, you know, order, time-wise, there is that and 
but if you want to, and that mixes the series together, but I really, um, if you like paranormal, then I say you should probably start with the Deadwood series. It'll give you a good taste of it. If you don't so much love the paranormal and you want to go easy on that, then you should start over in Jackrabbit Junction and that's Southeast Arizona. Um, and it's, again, it's kind of Treasure Island, but crazy. It's not, you know, G-rated by any means. It's, there's swearing, there's, you know, some spice and romance and all that good stuff mixed in. But it has the old vets, the three old vets trying to pick up women. And that's kind of the start of oh, yeah. it with their, with Claire, the granddaughter. And that's, she's the heroine of the series. And she's not a kid. I mean, she's 35 or 33. So she's there trying to keep her grandfather from getting hooked up with someone that's going to take all his money, right? So anyway, it really, it's up to you where you're, if you're more into that, or if you want, if you like archaeology, then by all means, go down to the dig site series and start there. Um, but usually most people probably come in on the Deadwood series. Yeah. Uh, or the, or the Jackrabbit series, but mainly the Deadwood series. And they start at Deadwood number one, and then you just go through. But knowing that you want to start Jackrabbit Junction soon because the characters start crossing over. Yeah. And Violet, who's the heroine of the Deadwood series, her brother is the star of the Dig Site series. So, again, figuring out where you want to come in um, depends on your personality. On your website, is there a way to get the series in a list from 1 to 28? And how they interact? Yeah, there's a there is a list of all books, but there is not. It's on Facebook. I have a list, okay. and I need to add that to the timeline of all that. That's something we've done more in the last year, where we've talked about mm -hmm. how where everything falls, and here's the timeline coming in. Uh, you know, after I, I've written all these books, but I tend to forget that I've written all these books and don't <laughs> think about starting new. You know, if you were coming in new, where would you even begin? Right. So. I do need to add a list in the time stuff, but, and, and I might have that, I could add it to a blog post too, but it's on my Facebook right now. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, I can, that's a good, I need a note to myself to put that up on my website for people. Well, it would be fun because they overlap so much that if you want to, if you get right. in and you get hooked, you'd want to go in order. I want to end and wrap up by talking about the awards that you have won and because you're indie publishing, how that came to be. Cause I feel like, and maybe it's my opinion or I'm a little off, but I feel like it's more difficult to, to win awards and get that recognition. Yeah, it, it really is. Well, of course, New York times is not going to happen because Many of you know, New York Times is print book going out to bookstores, pre-orders. It's based on pre-orders of books at bookstores. And so since I'm not, um, it's really hard for that to happen. You, may have to, you have to really be way up there uh, in the indie world. But USA Today is achievable with enough growth uh, because that's based on actual orders that come in the first week of your you know book coming out so that one is um, more definitely easier to hit or you know a book that goes big viral and sells all of a sudden a bunch then you hit the list so yeah i i started with the uh, daphne du maurier for nearly departed and that is a mystery romance award that was you know, throughout the U.S., I believe everybody could enter, and uh, I did win that one, which was a total shock. I didn't think that Nearly Departed was going to win any awards when I finished it. It was fun. We had a good time in it, but I, it's not going to win against all these other hardcore mystery things, you know, because this is light. It's, it's, 
it's not light mystery, but it's kind of, it's humor filled. So I, I, I was nominated and I actually went to Florida, took money that was, um, I'd been left by my grandfather long ago. And I took that money in because we had little kids. I mean, that's a $2,000 trip from Seattle. So I took that money that I'd been saving for, I think I was going to give it to my kids someday. And being the wonderful mom that I am, I said, ah, screw it. I'm going to go to Florida on it. And I'm going to see if I win anything. So I went with a friend, my husband stayed home with the kids and I won. I won the division and I won the overall. And I can't tell you how shocked I was. So that when I went up there, I had no speech because they said, my friend kept saying, write a speech, write a speech. I'm like, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to waste my time on a speech. Well, then I stood at the podium with no speech. And I forgot to thank my agent at the time. I forgot so many people. So I was blown away. But so that was a wonderful night. And I and that was right before I published it. Um, it was still, I believe, sitting at a publisher who ended up rejecting it, marketing rejected it, saying they didn't think I'd have enough. I mean, editors loved it and pushed it, but the marketing team rejected that book. So um, that didn't happen. But then in the meantime, I had submitted it already for the RWA Big Golden Heart, which is unpublished romance. And I won the Golden Heart, which I didn't expect. To, I didn't expect that either, because it's not romancy enough, I felt. Well, my friend, one of my author friends went and she I gave her a little speech this time, just in case. And the moment when they announced that and she called me and I was my name was up, you know, and the other friend was up giving the speech. She's like, you know, you won, you won. And I will never forget, I was in my kids' room with a basket of laundry, folding underwear. And I was like, I just won the golden heart and I'm freaking folding underwear right now. Oh my God, this is so wrong. <laughs> so it was an amazing double win. And it really gave that book the boost coming out of the gate. Um, with all the awards, we did press releases and you know, it started off with a bang and I had the second book out right away so they could just go boom, boom. And again, Amazon was, you know, it was all newer. There were, wasn't the competition. There were maybe 400,000 other books if that, maybe three. So I could hit high much easier. And that's kind of how it all began. And then the fourth book in the series is the one that got the USA Today bestseller, hit the list on that. Um, so four books in, it went big. Um, and that's kind of, and then I've won Suspense Magazine Awards, which have been wonderful, best of for them, multiple, I think I got a hat trick on that, so I've gotten three, uh, and that's people nominating and, and others voting, so it's, it's just been wonderful, I've been so fortunate to have all these awards come my way, you know, and be able to tack them onto the book to make it look even better, you know, so yeah, that's the awards. <laughs> And thank you so much. I your journey is really unusual, and I'm like I said, I'm so proud of you for making this a career. I know how difficult that it is, and I I love your story. Thank you oh, so thank much. You. Well, thanks for having me on here. This has been fun. <laughs>